You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. It's Locked On Hornets, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your content, wherever you get your goods, and you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail and at Not of the Scribe. Also, make sure you check out Locked On NBA today. Fridays on Locked On NBA, Nick Angstadt, boss man of Locked On Mavs, and Adam, is it Maris or Morris? Morris, I believe. I need to figure that out. I believe it's Morris as well, but I just want to make sure. Of Locked On Nuggets, power rank the week that was in the NBA. I don't know what they're going to power rank this time, but they're going to figure out something. It's probably going to be and 2K. Also, it's probably going to be NBA 2K related, right? That's true. We're going to talk about NBA 2K release day in the third segment. So you got to hold tight till the end of the episode. Follow the Locked On NBA pod today. Again, wherever you get your podcast. So we'll do a couple of the leftover questions. We want to make sure we get to everybody's question that was sent in because we appreciate you so much. Also, 2K22 release day. Do we play 2K? Not as a video game guy, but does this... Does this float his boat? We're going to talk about that in the third segment as well. But first, we've been trying to get to the Zach Harper article, and we've been able to hold it off because we've been able to get some content the last couple of days. But no more. We're going to get to Zach Harper's assessment of the Charlotte Hornets offseason. Also, the athletics analytics guru, the athletics analytics guru. It's tough to say. Seth Partno was also a part of this uh, of this article that Zach Harper put into the athletic. So let's go over Zach's part first, Nana, and what he does as he kind of breaks it down between the lead guards, which I like that category. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have to go just strictly backcourt. It's just the lead guards, your main ball handlers and guys that initiate offense, the wings, the forwards, and the big men. So four categories that he breaks it up in. It, it, let's we'll go with the overview i guess first and yeah. then we'll kind of break down each little group the overview from zach harper nada is that it's tough with every single category like it's iffy yeah but he thinks every single group got better for the most part except for the forwards and the reason he doesn't think the forwards got all that much better is because it was the stronger group of this team last year and they really didn't add anybody else I mean it's it's the exact same except for JT Thor and Arnotis Kuboka who he mentions here and they didn't lose anybody they didn't gain anybody so you know that that's the only one my, my point being lead guards despite losing Devante uh, playmakers also in the backcourt, just the wings, I should say. Kelly Oubre comes about, but they lose Malik Monk. He thinks they got a little better, which, you know, I understand if yeah. you think that. And then the bigs, he thinks they got a little better in that category as well. So basically every category but your forwards, he thinks the Hornets got a little better this offseason. I was surprised to see that, even if he doesn't say they outright got better. What did you make of all of the improvements, according to Zach Harper? I kind of fundamentally disagree with got better everywhere kind of fundamentally disagree that's a yeah i'm trying to be more on right there i hear you trying (laughs) to couch this in the nicest way possible because i and maybe this is one of those cases where we are both too close to see this from a larger perspective and maybe we need to look at this from the macro but it's hard for me to say that for what you need, Ish Smith is going to be an improvement on the Devontae minutes. 
I can understand where you think that they got better in the wing position. That's where I absolutely agree with them is like wing-wise, you did get better with Oubre and Book Knight over losing Malik Monk and whatever else and making right. essentially making the the uh need for Cody Cody Martin kind of extraneous. Keyword kind of. I understand all that. I also have a hard time fundamentally saying that the bigs got better. Yeah. That one, that's that's probably the hardest one for me to swallow because as much as this team did not like Cody Zeller, as much as this team absolutely loathed the sight of Bismack Biombo towards the end of the year, under no circumstances am I going to say Kai Jones is an upgrade. Under no circumstances am I going to consider the improvement of maybe a Vernon Carey Jr. and a Nick Richards to be better. They're going to have to show me for right now. And this is kind of where I have a, a large problem with these assessments is because we had the last time they put something on tape, it's hard to see the can this guy improve there. And granted, a lot of these guys are young and the Hornets are relying on a lot of internal development to get better. I understand that. I understand that's a small market thing. But there's a lot of show and prove with this to where I can't say they're going to be better than they were last year. Yeah, so let's go to the lead guard spot first. I want to read the first sentence of his summary, and then I want to le- read the last sentence of his summary. So the question is, did the Hornets improve here? He writes, technically, no. They dropped in talent, but I do think the fit for Charlotte works better with this Smith at his salary than what New Orleans ended up with Graham. Fair enough. Let's go down to the last sentence. He ends it with, I think the Hornets are better here, but it's mostly because of the fit with Smith over Graham. So, you know, he says technically no, but he likes the fit better. And then at the end, he talks himself into saying Ish Smith does make more sense. And now that does make the lead guard situation better than what Devonte Graham is at his contract, which I'm all about saving money in certain areas when you think you can. But I just like, I don't want to talk about Devonte all that much. People, there, there are still some stragglers that, yeah, that we do have not to let like, it go. we do have to let it go. Uh, well, well, no, and that's fine. That's fine. But I mean, we're going to talk about this content here. We are discussing this specific question. Like if you, I'm, I'm not here to argue Terrier over Devonte. That's tiring, whatever. Right. I'm done with that. But I mean, come on, like Ish Smith better than Devonte. I like Ish, you know, if you want to argue fit, Okay, at, at the salary, cool. Like you're not paying Ish Smith anything. If you and if you if you're arguing Ish Smith and you get that first round pick and it actually actually conveys, yeah, I feel you on that. But just overall on the court, I mean, Devontae clearly a better basketball player than what Ish Smith is in the NBA right now. Like there, you know, and and so I think for that, especially with the shooting that comes to play, that's why I just don't think if you're talking about additions and absences alone, I don't think that you can say they got better. If you're saying internal improvement of LaMelo making a big jump to year two, okay, I buy in. If you're saying Terry Rozier remains stagnant with his shooting percentages, which is all you need from what he did last year, okay, I buy in. But as far as like what went out and what came in, you know, I don't think so. Not, I don't think the improvement's Not at there. the guard spot. Uh, like uh, yeah. at the guard spot is where I absolutely agree with you. The wing spot is different. The wing spot, I like what they added. But, like, two of the three positions where they need, where they had really decent production, and I, spe- I specifically say decent p- production from the big spot, 
they didn't get better. We're still relying on a lot of just internal development, and that's what scares me about this. Like, But if we're talking about the guard spot, the other thing that I will say in defense of this is we do not know, especially on a young team, how valuable a guy like Ish Smith may be on the younger guards like a book night or something else like that. There is that people aspect to this. So I do want to couch the may not get better, but if Ish Smith helps James Booknight acclimate to the league a lot faster, then that kind of experience is almost invaluable as well. Yeah, I mean, look, Ish Smith is a is a great guy to have come in as a veteran, and that no, it is like I, I like the Ish Smith signing just fine. You know, when they made it, it it was totally appropriate. It's it's somebody that's going to help you be the lead ball handler in a second unit situation when Terry Rozier and and certainly obviously Lamella Ball goes to the bench. And so, you know, I, I do like the signing of Ish Smith. We can get to some of these other categories. I want to do one more just so we can try to fit in all the content that we had today. Uh, you know, you talk about the wings, and I think that's the one that makes the most sense as far as what got better, right? And that's what. Um, that's what Zach Harper also writes here. So you talk about the wings, the key players you lost. It's basically key player. It's Malik Monk. The rest of the guys are Brad Wanamaker. Then it's Caleb Martin. You still have Cody, but you know, that was what we'll see about Cody. The guys you brought in, it's James Booknight and it's Kelly Oubre. So if you want to argue Booknight and Kelly Oubre is greater than Malik, um, that's cool. Like, okay, fine. Um, you know, book night is somebody that I'm excited about to see what he's going to do. Certainly more so long-term than what he's going to do the first month of the season and, or the rest of the year. Uh, if you were to say who's going to be a better basketball player, a Malik monk this season or a James book night this season, I got to go Malik. But if you're saying what is better overall for this team, it's book night and it's Kelly Oubre, then like, okay, you know, Kelly Oubre is if, if that shot, can get up to 36% and he's attacking and his free throw percentage goes back up to what it was before this past season. And he's, you know, playing well alongside LaMelo. Like I can see a scenario where that happens. And then maybe the team defense um, he's rotating better and he brings you the on ball stuff that already is within his game that I can feel this being a good signing. Plus the contract is totally fine, right? Like we we've talked about, the non-guaranteed part of this coming in next year. So the fact that he's on with this kind of contract, you're not locked in long-term. Yeah. I I make, um, I can totally make sense of that group being better. Absolutely. Like the only thing is I'm, I'm not of the mind that the Malik Monk departure is going to hurt as much as we say, because if that was the case, he would have gotten more than a one year deal, a one year prove it deal on the Lakers. Well, I think it's pretty documented. He decided to actually bet on himself where he could have got more money elsewhere. Fair, fair. But I'm not necessarily so sure that the reliability, like I'm I'm very happy that Malik went and bet on himself. I also have my doubts that that's going to work out. I'm not so sure that you can rely on a guy that shows up for a month, does really, really well, and also at the same time wasn't really trusted by anybody. Oh, Nada, why are you doing this to me? Yeah, I didn't want to talk Malik as much, and now here you are just saying some stuff that's not true, and you're trying to lure me in about he was only good for a month. Nada, why are you doing this to me? Do you like to see me just lose my brain? Is that what you want me to do? It's Friday. I really don't want to see you lose your brain, but I want to move on from the Malik and the Devante stuff. 
at this point. But what? Wait, what? I want to move on. You're the one bringing it up. I'm just saying. You're the one bringing up Malik Monk. I just brought up how they. It makes sense that it improved. Okay. I made that made sense, okay. and then you want to say okay. it. Why are you doing this to me? You know what? We gonna move on. How about that? How about we move on? Why did you do that? No, I the Devontae thing, we talked about it. It's what Zach Harper wrote, Nada. I'm sorry. It's the content. I can only go where the content I'm takes sorry. me. I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe. Maybe a little bit. Maybe not. Maybe I just poked the bear of Monk High for a reason. I don't know. Oh, you are you are tough, Nada. Why are you doing this to me? All right, let's move on finally so we can get over the backcourt situation. We'll talk about the forwards. That's coming up next. We'll also get to that third segment with NBA 2K22 and the release day, but not before I have a chance to talk to you about DirecTV. How how familiar does this sound? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend log in for the good stuff. Well, I want you to, uh, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV TV stream and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place that means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again and the best part is that there's no annual contract so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with direct TV stream you can learn more at directtv.com that's directtv.com compatible devices required content varies by the package we'll move on we'll talk about the forwards we'll also get to Seth Partnow's analysis of what the Hornets did this offseason coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. Did you just, we got food at home, Alperine Sengun? You literally just, we We're got not food. going to McDonald's, Nada. We, we do. <laughs> right. Look, I, Eddie Murphy out here. I'm, I'm Eddie Murphy right now, okay? I'm telling you, we're going to chop up the green peppers. We're going to put it in the hamburger meat, and it's going to be good enough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. You don't have to sit on the sidelines anymore. Don't do that. You can head to the website, use your mobile device, you can sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sports book experts, promo code locked on. Now we'll get to the forward spot. We talked about them a little bit, having not improved because they just didn't gain anybody. They didn't lose anybody. Any improvement is going to come from Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, Jalen McDaniels internally, Gordon Hayward, just essentially staying healthy. That that's what you have to have from Gordon Hayward. So Harper writes, as much as I like Thor as a prospect, I'll just say they remained the same as a group of forwards. Yeah, of course they did. Mm-hmm. Said um, he did say, however, Hayward is way more of a playmaking forward than someone who competes on the perimeter on the defensive end of the floor as a wing that could change with consistent health out of him. But people forget about his size on the court, which is true. You know, defensively, like that's not where he's making all of this money. It's his ability to help facilitate, be that connector that we've called him quite a bit, as well as, you know, just be an efficient basketball player shooting and and still you know, we, we can't forget, right? Like Gordon Hayward is still the best basketball player on this team as it stands right now. So it, it's really the health factor here, not as to yeah. why you would say they improve along with just the jumps that you could see from miles and PJ. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I do think that the wing situation is the strength of this team at this point with the book night, the Ubre's miles and PJ, that's your strength. 
and the ability to for at least three fourths of them to play multiple positions on the floor to make it as varied as an attack as any in the NBA. I think this is your strength. And when we come to this and think about Gordon Hayward, I'm not saying you need to get 70 games out of Gordon Hayward for the Hornets to be effective. I don't think 70 games is possible for him. But if you get you ask, okay, can we get 60 regular season games out of out of him? I feel like that's a fairly like 60 games and he's healthy for the play-in slash playoff tournament. Like if he's healthy, if if that's the if that's the paradigm that you ask him to be in, I feel really, really confident about that. Because now this team has the depth, especially at the wing, for that to actually happen. So I really, really, really do like Gordon Hayward on this. I think he's going to have a re- another really good year. And I, you just have to hope that he stays, that he can play 60 games. That's all you're asking for him, from him. Play 60 and then play the postseason. And if that's the case, I think the Hornets will be in really good shape next year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we talked about the big guys a little. I, you know, I can't see that they improved here. And that's I'll, I'll mention Zach's comments on the bigs. You know, did they improve here? He said, as much as I like. Uh, oh, excuse me, the bigs. He says, did they improve here? I do think they got better. Even though Jones might need a little time before he can contribute, Bismack and Cody are good role players at the big man position, but Plumley can give them a bit more. He's a good defender, which I disagree with. Who also can be a bit of a play maker in the half court for sure he's definitely a good playmaker dribble handoff action with players like ball and Rogier will be huge for them I'm all in on the Jones bandwagon but it's going to take some time I mean I, I guess it's just him liking Mason Plumley a decent amount more than what Cody Zeller brought this team defensively I don't think he's that good but the playmaking that's the one thing we've sung about Mason Plumley ever since he came over and I think the draft, I think the draft day evaluation of that trade, remember it happened right before the NBA draft where they acquired Mason Plumley. You know, we, we know about the non-guaranteed contract for Mason beyond this season. Also, I think everybody was accepting of that because we thought Mason was going to be the backup center. And we've since had to morph that evaluation because he's become the outright starting center yeah. with PJ playing significant minutes too. And so maybe people have talked themselves into that a little more, but we can go to what the Hornets did that day. And we're all kind of talking about it in the sense of, Hey, totally fine. Mason's going to be the backup fine, right? Like after what they talked about with Cody, not liking biz, not liking their center rotation. And then they draft a project in Kai, which I'm totally fine with as well. But Mason was always supposed to be that backup, at least at that point. And then free agency comes and goes. They don't get a Rashawn Holmes. They don't make any deals for anybody. And it's like, oh, Mason, Mason's your starter, huh? All right. Yeah. Like, and, and so you and I both agree that they did not get better on that front. No, they um, did not. They did not. Yeah. Absolutely. Not. All right. Let's go to the Seth Partno stuff because he mentioned some um, some interesting stuff. He asked a couple of questions. See how much time we have. Yeah. Well, let's uh, do, we'll take a break. All right. I'm all over the place. We'll take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about some of the Seth Partno stuff as well as talk about some of the clown stuff we had answering the questions. Also, NBA 2K22 release day. 
first, before we do that, got to talk to you about rockauto.com. It is a loyal partner. We are loyal to them as well. This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? You don't have to do that anymore. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, so you can go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or your truck, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Seth Partnow, athletics analytics guru. He talked about the Hornets as well. We'll get to those comments coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. I kicked the outlet past Doug and I let him run with it because you know what? He's going to do something that's going to be funnier than what I can do right now. I recognize <laughs> <Okay>. my limitations <laughs> and I'm going from there. Wow. That's a lot of that pressure. That was a lot of self-reflection within that teeing it up oh, for Doug. Man. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Got a little dark. There the yeah, it really did. Uh, we did. We mentioned um, self self loathing yesterday, <laughs> and now we mentioned this. Not are you okay, buddy? We're gonna we're gonna talk through it. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. All right, I can't get out of here without mentioning Built Bar. You know, I got to give them some love as well. The staples are great. The salted caramel. I haven't had mint brownie in a while, so I need that to get back in my life. And the best part about Built Bar is not only do they taste good, but they're healthy as well. They're high in protein, they're low in calories, they're high in fiber, they're low in sugar. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off of your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, we'll try to do rapid fire as much as we can, even though a lot of times it doesn't end up working out for us. But three quick questions with Seth Bartno, national NBA writer, and again, the analytics guru. Will the healthy Hornets team be as successful as we saw them last season? So basically, Seth says that this really does so rely on LaMelo Ball and his improvement. Quote, if Ball stays healthy all season and improves from year one to year two, at roughly the anticipated rate, Charlotte should be better than what they were last season. However, the Hornets likely need to see significant improvement just to hold steady record-wise. And I think that's key, right? Because... And and that's important. So this can be just a better basketball team from what they were last year to this year because of that internal improvement I've talked about at nauseum with LaMelo making that anticipated jump as you would somewhat expect a rookie to a second year guy, even though it's not always on an escalator. And then you can talk about PJ and miles, maybe making that jump too. They could all improve. They could all just be better basketball players, but the East is so tough it's going to be hard to see them reach this big time scenario of them getting a five seed or a six seed, which is, you know, or even just in the playoff, like you're not going to make the playoffs outright, in my opinion, unless you have significant improvement and things go right for you. He also writes this, their propensity to come from behind in close games saw them win four or five more contests than the average team would given the circumstances of their clutch games. This is something we've kind of battled with the Hornets the last, I guess, couple of years. It's the the, the clutch variance. It's been on their side, and that goes to the Terry Rozier stat I mentioned yesterday. The three-point clutch shooting percentage, it's bananas for Terry. You're talking about guys that have attempted uh, 100 uh, threes in that clutch category, and he's like 7% uh, better than the the next leading guy in a C.J. McCollum. At, At some point, 
math says that has to go down. And maybe this is an outlier. Like outliers exist for sure. So maybe that's the case here. But I don't know if you can ever go into a season betting and relying on, oh, this is just a better clutch team than every team out there in the NBA year in and year out. Like at some point, you are going to have to go collect that bad luck that you've been able to dodge the past now, couple of years. Now, here's my one counter to this. Because when we, when, this, when we talked about this clutch stat, last year it was Terry Rozier. The year before that, Devontae hit a lot of big shots in big times. So I'm not necessarily yeah. saying that I don't expect it to regress to the mean, but I would also say there's a possibility that this bug, quote unquote, is actually a feature. And we just don't know the guy that's going to be the one to hit the clutch shots this year. That's but is that something you're willing to bet on, right? Like, because if, because you're right, like anything can happen. Anything can be a risk. But if I ask you to project or predict, hey, this is going to happen because Terry might keep this up. And even if he doesn't, maybe it's Gordon Hayward. And even if they do, then we still have to rely on the other team not hitting also clutch true. shots of their own, right? Like it, it's been a perfect storm for the Hornets in that regard, and it's made it really fun. And I am not going to be apologetic for that during the season. I'm going to take those wins however we can get them, baby. It's just if we talk about predicting that, I think that's what it gets a little tough, and I think that's what Seth Parton no, was and, talking about. No, and this is here. where I absolutely agree, and this is something that I know both of us has talked about a lot. Like this team could be better and lose more games than they did last year. There's a lot of factors to this. The crowd's going to be in here for 100% of, of these games. There's not there's not going to be the improvement and plus you have a year of film to die year of film to diagnose on LaMelo Ball and his bad habits and there weren't that many, but you have a year of film. There's a lot of this that can that can change and this is where you rely on the growth, but at the same time I do agree with Partno's point at large that this can be a better basketball team and they can they can end up being instead of 9 being again being 10. They can end up being in the same place that they were because the East is so competitive. I understand all of that. I'm willing to talk about the, all that, but at the same time, there are certain things that I want I would say have become features about this, and it, we just don't know the role. We don't know who's going to be playing that role this year. For all we know, it could be a Gordon Hayward taking that role as the guy that hits the clutch shots, rather than a Terry Rozier this year. That's the one. That's the one point I would be be willing to argue on at least. Sure, I mean he, he's good enough to make that happen. We'll see if the Hornets can continue that trend that they've had the last couple of years. The other question Seth Partno asks is, can Lamelo Ball be an All Star in year two? He says he's more likely to be named an All Star than to really deserve to be an All Star. I hate his popularity take, by the way. and I and the crowd pleasing game. Well allow him to demonstrate, I guess, through me in this podcast. He says the East has a crowded backcourt. So LaMelo would have to be an all-star over, you know, some of the, any of these guys, I guess. James Harden, Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving, Drew Holiday, Trey Young, Jimmy Butler, Zach Levine, Chris Middleton, Jalen Brown, Kyle Lowry, Ben Simmons. I think I just named 11 guys. So you have to be named over what, like, five of them yeah. or something to that effect. I mean, that's a lot. Like I, I get his point when you're talking about some of the players 
that he's going to have to be voted in for and I guess deserve that spot more so. Now, I it, it, I think it's possible more so than what I guess Zeth, uh, Zeth, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Seth is kind of illustrating here. Um, you know, like a Zach Levine, right? Maybe his efficiency comes down. The Hornets are exciting. It, remember, all-star game happens at the midpoint of the season. Hornets could do the same thing they did last year. They're healthy. Everything's clicking. Oh, wow. Hornets are in the five seed. Why is that? It's because LaMelo is awesome. Hey, we're going to vote him in because he's flashy, because he's fun, because he's got a name, and because the team is actually pretty good. He gets an all-star spot, and he might even deserve it at that point. Um, but I, I get Seth's point in that, man, you know, here we are talking previously, the East just got a lot better and it's because there's also a lot of really good players in the East before they even added some of these other guys. See, here's my problem when we start talking about deserve and other guys get other guys with flashy game, flashy names and flashy games get put in over all-star games. Yeah, this is a TV event, guys. This isn't like who deserves what more. I'm okay with the flashier guy getting the all-star nod over the non-flashy guy. It just so happens that the flashy guy plays for the for the Charlotte Hornets this time. Before this, Kemba Walker had to fight, scratch, and claw, and he had a flashy game, semi-flashy game. The problem was he didn't win enough. I am okay with the more photogenic games being f- featured on an all-star game because it is a television event. I am okay with all of this. I don't know why more people aren't. If you want to argue about who is better, who's worse, this, that, and the third, and you want to say who deserves what, there's an all-NBA team for all of this. An all-star game does not matter. It matters to the – it's a fan event. Let's stop saying – let's stop using it as a barometer for who's better. We have all-NBA for that. That is a personal rant of mine. I hate – when people want to use stuff like deserve. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. No, I hate that word too. But also, I don't think... I mean, if we're just talking about the aspect of what the game is supposed to be. I mean, if you're talking about it being a TV event, then then we should get Skip to my Lou and Jamal Crawford. I'm not against that. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm those, not against that. Well, well, well okay, okay, Nada, but come on. Have you ever voted for anybody the caliber of a Skip to my Lou before to be in the All-Star game? You know what I'm saying? Like we, look, LaMelo, clearly better. I'm actually with you. I mean, I think the stats that LaMelo put up warrant him serious, legitimate all-star consideration, whether it was a TV event for the flashy play or whether it was just an outright measurement of how good you are. Put LaMelo in the ladder. Like there's a there's a real chance that LaMelo could just be flat out good enough to legitimize that all-star appearance. And so that I don't like I get that. That's a rant. And, I, and I'm, I'm here for that. Give me the more entertaining product. You know, they don't play defense anyway. It's not resembling of a real basketball game anyway. But if we're just talking about the guys that should get in, okay, who are the top, however many players, you know, we can't sit here and deny the fact that there are a lot of good players for LaMelo to have to pass as soon as year two. In the you know, association. And that's fair. That's fair. But at the same time, like there, there are a lot of good players and, but at the same time, we don't know the improvements and how much, how much better he gets because if he hits, close to 37, 38% from three this year. And he, he almost did it last year on a bum wrist. Like, yeah, who's to know how much the floor opens up for him like that? Yeah, man. I mean, if you talk about, if, if that shooting percentage stays what it was before the wrist, 
which was fantastic. And then you have the larger understanding of the game with a better cohesion with your players where LaMelo was clearly putting in the work this offseason. I mean, yeah, the guy, I, I can't wait. I mean, I really can't. LaMelo is going to be so fun to watch next year. All right, final thing, and then we're going to have to end it um, with what Seth Partno said, that the third question is, what do the Hornets do if Hayward can't stay healthy? Well, it's real possibility, given some of the things we've seen from him in recent years. So he says... One of the biggest obstacles for Charlotte heading into the season, even with a healthy Hayward, is their relative lack of offseason creators. Ball has potential to be special in that area. Of course, Ball, I mean, that guy might be, you know, already one of the best. He is already one of the best creators in the game. He says, but for all that play finishing talent between Terry, PJ, which I, yeah, know, yeah, that's, that's laughable. Push back on that. And I, and I love PJ anyway, but you get the point. Miles, Ubre, and so on. The only other table setter on the roster after the departure of Graham besides Ball and Hayward, is Ish Smith. So if you lose Gordon Hayward, your starting lineup, you're not going to put Ish Smith in the starting lineup as the other table setter. He's going to strictly be your backup point guard, and that's what he was brought in to do, and it's totally fine. But losing a guy like Hayward to create some offense for you just by passing the ball is going to be tough. He brought some stats up. He said the Hornets finished 24th in the NBA in efficiency on self-created shots last season. So losing their second best playmaker would be fairly devastating to an offense that already was 23rd in offensive rating in 2020-2021. Yeah, man, we talked about it. Gordon, staying healthy is going to yeah, be huge for this yeah, team. Yeah, will do. Yeah, and I think that I do believe that it is absolutely important for him to stay healthy. I also think that there's a lot of depth when it comes to this team. I really like this team. I really like what they're going to do in terms of just what they have in terms of wing depth. I also think that, and granted, I'm going off a of summer league, so I could sound like a massive idiot to do this. But I think Book Knight's playmaking is kind of being underrated. And from what we saw in terms of playmaking, I think Book Knight might end up being that secondary playmaker or can be a off-the-bench playmaker. I, I really do think that he's going to end up being that guy. So I'm not as worried, but the lack of playmaking depth does it is a factor. But I also kind of wonder, like, that number about 24th in isolation scoring, how much of that does how much of that improves if Gordon Hayward stays healthy for another 10 to 15 games? I guess that's my worry about that. That's my that'd be my question. I, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I don't think much. I mean, if you're just talking about efficiency, he still had plenty of time to improve that. But I, I'm with you, like hopefully and hopefully PJ Washington finishes better at the rim, which I'm sure would increase that number, just increase their overall self-isolation, um, their isolation efficiency too. I mean, it, PJ, he's, he's got to hit better from two point range, got to hit uh, better from next to the basket. So we'll see. But yeah, like you, you lose Gordon Hayward. It, with just the self-improvement already, Miles is going to have to continue to expound upon that game. You know, PJ is going to have to continue to expound upon that and be asked to do more if a Gordon Hayward goes down. And to your point, James Booknight, who kind of gave us trick-or-treat in Summer League, Booknight had the eight-assist game, I believe, with no turnovers, but then I think the next one he got like six and didn't have many assists after that one. And so I, I think I think James Booknight is somebody that has that within his game it certainly seems unfair to ask him to be good at that as soon as he walks into a regular season and a game on an NBA court. And I, yeah, um, I, I do agree with that, but I would also point out that 
I, I if Gordon Hayward goes down, I'm not sure he's going down in game one or month one. You hope not. But I think growing yeah. into the playmaking thing is something that Booknight can do as the season goes along. I agree. I agree. And uh, it'll be fun to see his improvement. So that'll do it for the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We have a couple of other questions we can answer maybe next Tuesday. So we give you this last one on Friday. Hope you have a great weekend. Thanks again for joining us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Go check out Lockdown NBA or really any show on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Have a great weekend and we'll be back with you on Tuesday. Tuesday.